Listeners, what's up? Welcome back. Here we are again. All right. Can't forget to say all right. Hope I don't sound too sad today or too monotone. I try my best to be a bit excited. Episode 14. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I just checked it. Fuck, time's flying when you're producing some Shinfo, doesn't it? Been at it for over three months now. Cheers if you've checked out heaps of other episodes. I know there's a lot of you who come back for every week. Do me a favour. Click subscribe on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Just click subscribe. It's really not that hard. And then if you listen on Apple... Click five stars. You don't even have to write a review. Just click five stars. Then it'll get out to the masses. The internet needs to hear this shit for. Today's a big one. As you know by the title. Me and Pete and Pig or Luke sat down on Zoom and uh, had a chat. Finally convinced Luke to come on the show. Or he told Pete that he would come on because me and Pete had a chat on a previous episode and Pete farted and I yawned and he thought that was funny enough to uh, to come on. Don't worry, there's no farts on this one, even though I'm tempted to play one. Could we get the inside story on Think Straight on the early days of Byron Bay Hardcore? If I haven't said that story enough, then... This is uh, this is someone who actually built the scene properly, organised shit, started bands, played in bands, did all that. I just sat around fucking expecting it to happen like a lazy sloth. Anything I did was let people stay at my parents' house and wear fucking pink hats like a dickhead. But I'm here now, 20 years on, still going strong. So sit back. One and a half hours plus this one goes for. It's a big one. So get some chips, get a coffee, get a mate. Tell him he's a Desmond. Tell him that he should be listening to this as well. And uh, here comes the Shinfo. Peace. All right, listeners. Am I leading the charge? Is it me or you? All right. You're always leading. Go for it, mate. All right. All right, listeners. Today we have uh, a guest, the guitarist from Think Straight. Um, he's also played in another band that you might have heard <laughs> called Parkway Drive. Um, Luke Kilpatrick, Pig, Shithead, thanks for joining us. Yeah, great to be here. Um, <laughs> and I've hijacked Jed's podcast again, but Jed, are you there as well? Yeah, I'm here. Good to be here, boys. <laughs> well, whose podcast is it? it well, it's Jed's. Technically mine, but he just takes over because he wishes he had his own. <laughs> Pete, Pete gets all the interviews and... Yeah, he, he knows more people. And um, I mean, this is a perfect example. No, this is this is first time, but I mean, he just organised this with you, and we live 
four kilometres away and have a talk. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I even said to Pete, does Chad even live in Byron? I didn't even know. Uh, I've been here for seven months. Yeah, right. Mm. I've anyway. been here for four. Anyway, uh, we'll hey. get to that. You're up. All right. Shithead, a lot of people won't know, but you weren't actually born in Australia. Is that correct? No. Yes, I was born in a little town called Arawa on a little island called Bougainville, which is a funny name. And in <laughs> Very the country... Suits you. <laughs> suits my hair. Um, in Papua New Guinea. So yeah, that's kind of a cool way to start life and live for eight years. Yeah, so until, a, until a civil war happened and then we had to move to <laughs> Australia. <laughs> I was just about to say, because, yeah, around that time, it got a bit unruly, yeah? Yeah, it was, I mean, there was a big copper mine there and a lot of money and there was a bit of political bullshit. And then the, the local Bougainvillians had enough of the PNG government and kind of just armed themselves and sort of started blowing up some shit and then the army came in and that was when all the expats were like okay we we got to get out of here and we went back mm. to australia and that's when we actually first moved to first, oh, i first moved to australia and we came here to broken head been here ever was since your, was your dad working there was he yeah so he initially went out there because he got a job in the mine when he was like younger and then he, he was just a local sparky like yourself in town <laughs> just yeah, it was it was a pretty like because there was so many expats, like people from New Zealand and Australia working in the mine. There was all, there was just very international community there, heaps of Germans yeah. and shit as well. Yeah, yeah. You haven't been back, huh? Yeah, I went back. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. You me, did. And Jul- me and Julie went back a couple of years ago. Is it good? It's it crazy. It's just crazy. Like the hospital I was born in was burnt down. We went oh. back. I found my house, and it was. Um, all overgrown the jungle. Pine up is growing on it now. Apparently, they just torched everything, like all the the whole town. Can leave that computer still, mate. All right. No, I'm moving away from the fire. It's fucking too hot. Uh, <laughs> look, we got really good sound quality on the Shinfo X Desmond podcast. Oh, is it making noise? <laughs> oh, it's making all sorts of noises. Anyway, oh, that's the fans are used to it. Yeah. Oh, no, right. up, I've listened. To, I've listened to a few, and it's not really a great. Yeah, yeah, they've put up with worse. So that's wild, though. Like, not many people had that kind of like. So you went to school and everything there, right? Started school. Yeah, I went to Geneva International Primary School there. Wow, was... I'm picturing like no shoes, board shorts, dirt floors. Ah, oh, it was. No, nah, it was pretty. It was pretty like westernized i think the schools because there was a lot of international kids there but a lot of local kids there as well so it was it was good i think it was a great way to sort of see the world up until i was eight and the the island was beautiful it's like pure paradise like as tropical Mm. as it gets and i went to surf there and shit my dad used to surf and it was it was a good place to live and um why did pete choose broken head of all places like most of our parents that live here, they travelled up here in the seventies with the whole surf adventure thing. And like they're from Adelaide, where Pete lives. And my dad just hated Adelaide. Used to all he wanted to do was get out of there. So when they saw Byron and Broken and 
up up this area. They just couldn't believe it. Like most people can't, which is why it's so crazy these days. Yeah. And they just always had the plan to end up there. And the war kind of made that plan happen a bit sooner than they were anticipating. So this is where they're always going to end up. And that's just, yeah, that's why we're here. Never moved. Never will. Never will. Oh, I might, but don't think I will. People local move in. Yeah, I was going to say, you are putting up that extra dwelling on your farm yet or what? Sorry to that. It's waiting. You were supposed oh, to be here last month, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that, this fucking COVID thing fucked me. It fucked me, but it helped you. God, we'll get to that anyway. I'm sure you're enjoying your time at home, but that's coming up. Hang on. Right, so coming up later your mom, episode. Yeah. Yeah. Were your mum and dad musical? I know. Well, I'll let you talk. <laughs> uh, well, Pete, my old man, he's, um, he doesn't play music, but he's a full music fan. Like, he's the reason I started listening to, to bands and shit. When we'd go to Bali, he'd just buy a hundred cassette tapes because they're like a dollar each. And, um, yeah, he, he, and even to this day, he's always telling me about his band or this band or telling me some history or he just got this live DVD. He's punishing me with all this music shit that I don't really... <laughs> I mean, it's, it's cool though. Like it's good history and I should pay more attention. A lot of Aussie, a lot of Aussie stuff. And he's right in it. Mum doesn't know anything. She's hopeless, but she puts up with my old man's music. So yeah, she would know a bit. And they go to shows these days or when shows were happening. Yeah, like see, the big, big the classics. Just the yeah. shit they like. Even like smaller Aussie shit that they knew when they were younger. Yeah, right. But as for playing music now. Okay, so you yeah. picked up a guitar of your own accord? You're cutting out. Yeah, that was just robot, Pete, robot noise. We're used to that. <laughs> oh, is that, a, is that a standard? <laughs> yeah, you've got to get used to that. That's... <laughs> That just comes with the interview. Okay, sweet. I said, said that you picked up a guitar then on of your own accord, yeah? Yeah, well, this is all around the time when probably I first started meeting Chode when um, I was 15 and we used to listen to like Pennywise and Rage Against the Machine and shit. And my mate, Kane, who I started Dig Straight with, used to play, used to be able to play these songs that we're listening to. And I was like, fuck, I want to do that. So I just got guitar lessons for a couple of months and learned learned the songs that I liked and then he sort of started playing drums at the same time and that's how we could start a band really out of that but I wasn't like I didn't start guitar because I was just in love with the guitar or my dad taught me when I was three like Jeff or you know used to just jam out yeah. in my room I just wanted to play the songs that I liked yeah. and yeah. the Rage Against so Machine's got some pretty good guitar so that was pretty Pretty nice to learn. Yeah. It's a good way to learn. So you, yeah. So you learnt to be in a band, not just because you were a guitar nerd. Basically, like, as soon as I knew how to play guitar, we started. Me and Kane used to sit in our room, one guy'd sing, the other would play guitar, and we'd record like we got like forty songs. And I found the lyric sheets the other day, so it's pretty funny. It's writing off our mates, and but that's old. That's like we were thirteen or fourteen. We are, yeah, well, when you started your first, well, when Think Straight started, it was just a punk band, yeah? Yeah. 
think straight was fun. We had a band before it called Disclaimer, and that oh. was. Do uh, you you were on the Disclaimer days, weren't you, Toad? I don't believe so. We played, oh, you're still a nerd. We played a couple. We played a couple of parties, like some mates' sixteenths, I think, maybe even earlier. And that was just that was kind of punk, but kind of shit and weird. And then from there, we started to think straight. Yeah, disclaimer: think straight. Is this the time where we play a thing straight song? Oh, I don't know, but. Did you take my advice? <laughs> we tried. For the listeners, uh, Luke listened to my, Jed and I's, uh, I think it was episode 9.5 where we played songs and he couldn't believe how shit we were, how we didn't actually talk about the song we just played. <laughs> but <laughs> shithead, this, that's way too far above our experience. Like you need all sorts of programs to be able to play it and talk about it. Like, no, don't you just play the song and then you edit it out later? Yeah, well, let's play a song now and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> oh, we got to listen to it together. Well, no, we, we're not. We can't. The we're sound not good quality is so shit. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> no, so you didn't take my advice. Well, we talked about it and it's too... Jed says it's too hard. I think we could just reckon. play it in the background. I reckon you should play it through your shit speakers now and then it'll make us talk about the song. Otherwise, you're going to come back and go, hey, okay, we're back. And everyone just heard the song and they don't know what happened in the song. All right. You asked for it. Let's listen. Here we go. What song would you like to listen to? Jed has all of them, I'd imagine. I got Think Straight. Be proud of your country. Be proud where you're from. Be proud of Australia. Something new. Country, big brown. 
change of pace because true to style I've lost the pop punk songs they were just too old and the sound was too shit not that that was much better but that was from the 2002 demo recorded in the Parkway basement before Parkway had even been thought about uh, and that was the secret song called FAH I guess that was our song against homeboys uh, and had all the crew doing backups at the end so it was pretty sick things straight were epic that was me at the end yelling out fucking homeboy even though I'd never fought anyone in my life and hopefully never have to and I was the biggest pussy in the crew Anyway, back to the Shinfo with me, Pete, and Pig. <laughs> How's his hair doing? Ask it. This, <laughs> Look at this that is, question. This is the um. <sighs> this is the pop punk. Not even that. It got pop punk, but it started off surf movie. I remember yeah. Year Seven camp, the Year Elevens that it's there mentoring you and shit. They were all listening to Pennywise, and then. I never, because my old man had bad religion tapes and stuff, and I never realised punk was like a, a collective group of like bands. I just thought it was another end of band. But then the surf movie scene, when I started high school, showed all these bands, and they were all from the same genre, all sort of did the same thing, and the songs all pretty much sound the same too. But that's when I first got into punk like early high school days. And then that's why things straight just sounded like, like shit pop punk. But um, mm. that's when we met you, right, Joe? Yeah. We were like a year younger than you. And we, we were like the punk dudes in our year. And then you lads were lived around the corner from Kane and you guys used to listen to punk too. And we we're like, Oh, these guys listen to the same music. Yeah. I remember you guys at high school and you guys were the cool punk surfers and I was in the nerd group. And I sat. So you're, in the, you're in the bodyboard group, right? Yeah. Well, no, you're in the nerd group. Half in the nerd, half in the bodyboarders. Um, and then you guys <laughs> used to play handball, and I was like sometimes too scared to even hang out because everyone was just too cool. But um, yeah, we all just met up because of our punk, you know, liking punk so much. But yeah, it was interesting times. And then eventually we started you know when was the first show do you reckon i can't even remember that the, the first hardcore like, show or the first no, like the first because i remember you used to play punk shows as things straight um i remember you played at um, a new year's eve in the in the railway park once remember that one yeah we played we played 99 i've still got the flyer we played the 99 new year's eve in the railway park okay. as a punk Think straight, and it was terrible. It was the fuckest thing I've ever done. I I had to sit um, down on the lawn and watch because um, it was at like four p.m. in the afternoon, and yeah, there was no circle pitting that day. There's too many families around. Yeah, that was hideous. And we used to play a bunch of battle of bands, and that I hated it to be honest. Like I just wanted to play the music, but singing and and being a guy in a band, I hated it. Mm. I just felt so uncomfortable and awkward. And um, that's why when we started, when Things Straight then sort of went hardcore, I still hated it, hated singing and shit. And 
that's why we used to get like you to sing a song, Winston to sing a song, James to sing a song. It was just such a relief to not have to sing, mm. which, um, yeah, which is why I guess Think Straight sucked. <laughs> well, it was good for us. We, we loved it. It was a good start for us, for sure. It was the. I mean, Where it was just good that our mates. That punk demo, do you remember? Oh fuck! I don't. You're you're the dates guy. You got to tell me. When yeah. when was the other uh, demo? The other demo was probably 2002, when you went hardcore. I think it was in the in That's... the basement. The four track guy came around and recorded Blueprint as well. Oh, Will, yeah. And True to Kill, possibly. The um, punk was like late 90s, I think. Yeah, it's, it, says, it says 97 demo, but I, I don't think it was that, that um, late. I don't know. No, it would have been. That was I was 15. Yeah, true. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any Do memories of us? Oh, sorry, Pete, you're not good enough. No, no, you go. Do you have any memories of us going to <laughs> shows at the Northern and sitting out the front and trying to listen to bands through the back door? Yeah, well, there's... Yeah, do you remember? That was, um, what was that tour that came? Surf Skate Slam, was it? Yeah. Was it that tour that had um, 59 Times of Pain... Who else? Well, was that them and no final all and shit? It was toe to toe and fifty nine played that night and they let us in. And we they played that play. night in in the northern and we were like, well, how old? Sixteen or you? I was older. I was seventeen. I still wasn't allowed in. Yeah, um, we hung around the back door trying to listen because we like for fifty nine times the pain and toe to toe to play in Byron. That was like fifty nine times the pain, especially because they're from Sweden. And we just thought they were this massive band. And for them to play Byron was just unheard of. And then we hung around the back. The Toto, was it Braz? I think Braz even let us in. And it beans. Was, it was Beans. <laughs> it was pretty, it's pretty intimidating, these old, like, hardcore dudes. Let Two legends. Yeah. That I've and we went in and there was, there was no one in there. Mm. And we went in and just sat down didn't we on the sat, step we sat in the corner because we were too scared we we're gonna get kicked out and watched two roadies push into each other on chairs yeah there was three people maximum in there <laughs> and that same night these were side shows to surf skate slam and that same night no fun at all played at ballina and Did we couldn't go well. to ballina to see them did yeah. they really? Oh my god! So this yeah. is obviously pre-license. I must have got my license even before you. So we missed yeah. out on a lot of shit. It was pretty pretty rough. Like we knew about, especially when Strife played on the Goldie. We knew they were happening, but we just mm. didn't think of alternative ways to to get there. We just were like, oh well, whatever. It was. I don't know. I don't know why we didn't get our parents. I think that was right at the start too. We didn't really know. If it was worth it. Yeah. Because it was, like you said, we didn't have our licenses. We're just getting into hardcore and then these bands were playing on the Goldie. I reckon if it was a year later, we would have made it happen for sure. Yeah. Especially the biggest regrets when Mind, Mind Snare and um, NYC played in Lismore. Remember that one? Oh, was, was it a, it a barbecue? Hard, hardcore barbecue. Mm. Pete went to five shows and we just were like, nah, I can't drive to Lismore. Not going to go. 
Yeah. What were we thinking? Who knows? How many people how many people would have gone to that show in Lismore? Like five? Yeah, it could well, have they been outdoor many. things. Or was... No, that wouldn't be many. Yeah. But why Lismore of all places? I guess they would have had a promoter. They would have had someone who put it on. That's how mm. all those weird scenes started. That's how our weird scenes started, isn't it? Mm. Well, that's that's what I want to... Oh, God. That's what I want to get to. The local shows in Byron, shithead. You did yep. it all, right? Well, I didn't start it, but I remember Breno, Brendan. Um, he, hit up, he kind of initiated it. He hit up Graz... Because who was it? Irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, was we've worked out. Ir- irrelevant was the first band to come. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so he, he, he hit up. Yeah, he hit up Graz and said, "Hey, let's get Irrelevant to play Byron." And obviously, Graz was sus on it. But and then Brianna hit me up and was like, "Let's do it." And I kind of took over the organising of, like, booking the hall and the sound and shit because we used to do that for parties anyway and, and play with like these shitty PA's yeah. that some guy would come and mix and charge 150 bucks and throw his PA in there. So he kind of dealt with Graz and I dealt with organising the actual show, logistics of the show. And um, that was kind of good, that show, wasn't it? It was like the first one that was at Ewingstar Hall. Yeah, it was great. It was awesome. And that was, and from there, Graz probably just thought, well, that show was probably better than most on the tour. I don't know. Yeah. And, um, it was probably like, well, this could be a stop. And then every time a band would then come, we'd just hit him up and say, let's play Byron. And the Byron shows just got better and better. And Do you yeah, remember was, the uh, kind of Think the Straight runner. show with Frontside? We drove to Ipswich. Yeah, sure do. do Graz think, was there, wasn't he? Yeah. Do you think that was after the Irrelevant show? Nah, it was before. Right. So we must, because I, I remember we met Graham that night. Yeah. So maybe we pre-met him before he let <coughs> oh, relevant maybe, maybe, maybe it was after. I don't know. It was definitely a similar time. But yeah. anyway, this fuck. This is boring. Does anyone want to hear this? Yeah, people love this shit. This is the start of Byron Bay hardcore, mate. <laughs> if they don't want to hear it, they should. <laughs> this is it's true, just funny though. True shinfo, true desmonds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what it, it is. Yeah, as hard as we can go, <laughs> because what what this is leading to is you love all that shit, fucking counting the money, booking the show, because you're still doing it now, sort of. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Um, you're well, I involved in it. every fucking thing that Parkway does. Yeah, I, I must love it because I kind of took over, like organising all those shows, and yeah, like they. Bands would come and they, so then me and Winston kind of did it, but Winston, I don't know, I still did everything. Winston was just like, he would host them. <laughs> and these bands would go to his house and then at the show, they'd all thank Winston and shit. And I'd be like, <laughs> hang on. Because they all stay at his parents' house. He's there. They all go hang out. And I never really yeah. that much. I just organised it all. Anti, anti-social pig. Anti-social me. And um, I was like, yeah, okay. Thanks, Winston, for putting the show on. But um, <laughs> it's kind of similar. I was thinking about it. It's kind of similar how the, the scene started, the Byron scene started to how Parkway is. Like me and Winston, it's all 
stuff, like the management side of it. Yeah. We'd spitball stuff and then I'd go off and make it happen, sort of thing. And, and then everyone thanks Winston. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you're the best Winston. And you're just in the background. <laughs> on. I just walk past and no one even knows who I am. <laughs> Who's that guy with the mullet? Um, <laughs> but, well, that's kind of how Byron started. And we are just lucky that we had all these frothing little groms at school. Like, there was just this... And it was kind of the time where hardcore was taking off Australia-wide as well. And it just so happened that... I don't know why all these 13... I mean, you've probably got a story about 14-year-olds, kids in Byron coming to shows, Pete, from your experience. But oh, it was first, just... I just couldn't believe the first few times I went there. It was just so foreign from anything I'd ever seen before because... It would, there was this one kid, and I've talked about it with Jed the other day. I won't say who it was, but he looked 10 and he had tattoos <laughs> and he was like moshing to all the bands and it was just bizarre. And there was no parents there. It was just all kids. It was like fucking, what's that movie when the kids run the island and it's just like a fucking madhouse. Oh, Lord of the Lord Lord Lord. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it was like that, except it was a hardcore yeah. show and it was great. And that, that's a weird way to, like, for us, we were always just involved with it. With all these kids were from school. We just, we just knew them. They came to shows every week, every time. But imagine just coming like you did and all the bands that came here. They just played this one random show in Byron and there was just a bunch of 13 and 14 year olds <laughs> just going mental. Like, that's, that's weird because you guys all come from these cities with established hardcore scenes, established history. Mm. The, old, the older dudes that, you've, that were like, been there for years. But they're standing at the bar, us. just drinking and sitting around, and then yeah. you know, the next day there's 50 kids stage diving off speakers. <laughs> yeah. And I remember the first few times I took international bands through there, they were just like, what the fuck is this? And I would be like, trust me, this will be one of the best shows of the tour. And then I was about to say, was, surely it was the best show yeah. though. Yeah. Yeah. Like the most fun. And then like, so they'd rock up, obviously, during the day, we'd have an amazing day. We're, like, in paradise. I, oh, that's one thing I always found hard when you got to Byron. Like, you d didn't feel like going to the show. Mm. <laughs> like you just wanted to stay at the beach or relax. But then we'd pull up into that tiny little fucking youth centre and the band would just be like, surely this isn't where we're playing, pretty much. It was like a <laughs> tiny hall. But I can literally not think of a bad show there. Every show was pretty crazy. Yeah, I'm sure we had some, some shit ones, but there was a, a run of a couple of years there where it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and it kind of peaked at Throwdown or an Evergreen or a Prom Queen, one of those shows. I mean, I've, mm. I've got a pieces of paper with the, the payers listed. I think it got up to like three, 320 or something. Fucking um, hell. Or 340, but you're only allowed, what, these days you're probably only allowed 100 in there. Like yeah, I reckon. Legal. What was the capacity meant to be back then? Two hundred. Think right? it's around two hundred. Yeah. <coughs> but, um, you would have taken anyone's money that gave you money and let them in. <laughs> yeah, well, there's just, I mean, rule. There's, there's kind of no rules. Like you just do whatever. Who's going to come and tell you you can't do it? The, the youth centre was so supportive with it all too. They were amazing. Yeah. But it, and it depends who the event. I mean, the organiser at the youth centre was at the time, but they were all pretty great. And we never kind of do our own thing. I don't remember there ever being security guard or anything like that, right? No, we ended up getting them 
at some point, like one or two. And then that was, and then a bit later, once Parkway got started and I stopped doing the shows, the people after me, I think they used to get security. Yeah. yeah. There was always yeah. one or two like, old guys walking around just watching people. Doing nothing, yeah. Yeah, doing nothing. Yeah, right. In case anyone came and, and was drinking or something, they they stopped them. But it, they were generally it might have been, bored. yeah. It might have turned into a, a requirement later, but at the start, we never used to get them. It was very... Am I just... Sorry, am I remembering no. correctly or am I tripping? Did someone try and grab the till money and run one night? Oh. Probably, I can't really remember. I can't remember that one. <laughs> I, I remember because I used to do it on the tours. I went through there and I remember someone saying to me, I'll oh, be careful. Someone tried to grab it last time and I was like, mm. <laughs> maybe. I, not, not that I can remember, but um, mm. you kind of came through later once I was sort of gone too, maybe. When did you first go there? Well, we're I trying I to work didn't it. See I think it. Yeah, no, I would have done a, I think like I, I had throwdown the first time no maybe i didn't no, i don't know I, I restraint went there in 2001 or two i can't remember now i've got to when i go home i were can we, check were we not there for that show did we miss restraint at home no we missed no. Life, love regret that was the uh, that was I the second remember. show but we we all drove to hardcore <laughs> 01 that was sure well, we went to hardcore did you come to hardcore 2000 no I, I've, oh, spoke, I've spoken of sad. this story uh, in previous episodes that I was a uh, fully paranoid stoner at the time. <laughs> and you, well, Breno, Kinzel and Kane. Me, were. Breno and Kinzel and Kane. Were. And speaking about being stoners, we got on the way back from there, we got pulled over by the cops. We had a bong <laughs> and a chop bowl under the, <laughs> under the seat and they found it and they just gave us a warning and let us go. <laughs> how did, yeah, that, how did four 17 year olds or 18 year olds drive to newcastle and then sydney for hardcore 2001 oh it was it was pretty i don't know if we went to sydney we might have just gone to newy yeah was, they just went to newy, newy in 2000 yeah. by, by yeah. one we had like winston and gaz pig oscar like we had a big crew if not two cars drove down Mm. Yeah, 2000 well, the Friday night show was in Newcastle yeah so that was the first ever like hardcore festival in Australia yeah really yeah it was at some weird hall I went I would have been in there <laughs> I just remember I just remember Tommy Dollars who was moshing to DOC and DOC were just like so precise they had moves they had like stage presence and I was like what the fuck is this what are we doing up where we are we we know nothing, you know. It just seemed like we seemed like we we're in the states. Yeah, because we were just we had the weirdest little scene going on that just grew organically from mail order catalogs and you know thinking we knew what was cool, but we actually had no idea, mm. which is probably why it was so good. <laughs> Definitely, and why it was so fun. Yeah. Um. Jed mentioned it, but in 2002, what did you guys get up to? 2002. Is that when we went around Australia? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I thought I was 19. I thought that was 2001. No, it was definitely 02. Because um, we... I remember... Okay, me and Joe bought a bus. No, you didn't even buy it. Me and no. Berkey bought a bus. Yeah. 
a coaster. Were you in on the? Did you buy it with us? No, didn't have any money. I was on the doll. Okay, I was on the doll too, and we bought a bus, a Toyota coaster. It was already fitted out, and we drove around. And we kind of drove around, and shows kind of dictated our route, didn't it? Because mm. remember, we didn't do it for the surf season, which we should have, because that's kind of half the reason we went. Or the weather. We, we went south because we wanted to see a show in Sydney and then we ended up going to Melbourne because we wanted to see a show in Melbourne. Mm. Is that right? So yeah. we kind of toured before we were touring. <laughs> you know what, Pete? That could have been the show that we you saw me his, in Cronulla uh, in and I lifted up my shirt. His eyes. Yeah, this is it. I reckon first, it was. This is my first memory. This is my first memory of you, Pete. But we went to Kangba Bizzos and saw Aussie Throwdown, right? Was it? Or was it Mind Snare? I think it was Mind Snare, and I'll never forget because Jed walked past and lifted up his T-shirt and pretended to scratch his back, but it was so he could show me his tramp stamp X's tattooed on. It's his three back. X's. Oh, wait, show us your three X's right now. I want to see what they look like. <laughs> Get them out. They haven't. Are they still the worst? Yeah, ever? they're, they're amazing. The well, I was just showing Pete, like, look, this is what it looks like to be edged. You aren't even edged there. <laughs> but anyway. Seeing your tramp stamp I, I, tattoo made me go straight edge. I remember you at that show, Pete. I remember your, you had an out-to-win <clears throat> heart. Is that what you've got on your leg? Um, Did you yeah, have your out-to-win tattoo? Yeah, it probably would have, like, just be been getting started yeah it was probably half done because i remember because i love that grim reality um and i remember seeing that and go oh that guy's mental look at him he's got an out to win tat on his leg and <laughs> like i was too intimidated to talk to anyone but then i, I think Chad talked to you that night i remember yeah i reckon actually, we did i remember he talked to you that night and i was like too weird to talk to you and that was my first memory you really well if that's the case then restraint didn't play until oh two because pete and i kept thinking that they came in oh one yeah but i think well, it we, was we missed restraint i never saw restraint in byron you must have just not come because me and jed have a photo <laughs> with with all the band he was definitely yeah there. they stayed at my house the show. we drove to sunny coast to watch oh, okay. 10 people you just didn't go yeah you God just barred the show I would have gone if I was there. Maybe. I Hang on. Think straight remember. played. So you went to the show. <laughs> think straight played. <laughs> well, that guy, maybe yeah. I didn't give a fuck. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so this bus trip, though, I remember I also. So that was a mind snare show at Caring Bar. I think Restraint played. And then you guys were at an art house show as well, right? That Restraint played as well, which is weird. But not for you. <laughs> I can't remember. It was well, not for you, really. It's, it's true, because I remember it happened. And we went to Adelaide and saw the Shot Point from Queen show as well. Yeah, so, fuck, we were psychos. You, yeah. like, fully did an Australian hardcore tour. Poor, poor Berkey just had to sit in the yeah, back of the bus. Berkey sat in the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Your poor, like, surfer mates. Just like, what are you taking me to these shit bands for? <laughs> Did he even come into any? Probably not, eh? I don't think so. He he just had his girlfriend on the other on his on the phone, just yelling at him for being away. 
by the um, way, this was the time of like the start of phones. He probably just had a Nokia and we had nothing. I'm pretty sure we didn't even have a phone. You, you both had um, one uh, um, or one, well, there was only two, two out of three who had one. Um, then they got stolen and then we had none. Yeah, and so when we were in Melbourne at that time, we were parked at, where were we? Dandenong. Down near Frankston, what's that? Dandenong. And our whole bus got stolen. We went into Coles, went shopping. <laughs> 10 minutes later, walked out. Our giant bus was stolen out of the parking lot. <laughs> it just wasn't there anymore. Someone, someone broke in. Home. Jimmy, the turn it on. Use the shifter to reverse out of a really tight car park and drive away. It and had a column shift, didn't it? Yeah, it had a column col- shift. Yeah, it was a really hard. Who can fucking drive that? <laughs> the guy that stole it probably was like, "Fuck this," and just parked we, it. And left we it. had like UGG boots and trackies on. We literally were like, "We're not going to be in here for more than ten minutes." And um, um, whole life was gone. Called the police, and he's like. Yeah, I'll see what happens when we find it. And a few hours later, called us back and they were like, yep, found it. It's been stripped. Nothing's left. Fuck. It was just, ra- it was just ransacked and everything went. And then somehow, didn't we have their number? And we called them and said, all we want is our CDs. We had this massive folder of burnt CDs <laughs> that we'd listened to the whole way. And we was like, all we want is the CDs. And we were almost going to go and meet them and get the CDs. But we got too scared and we're like, no way, we'll just get bashed or robbed yeah. again or something exactly right what yeah what about all How the surfboards and stuff it, they they had one no, of your mobiles and we called they in and they answered and, and this it. guy was just like yeah what do you want and we're like did you steal our car he's like yes <laughs> 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 and we were like we don't care we just want 200 punk cds and then we'll be sweet and he was, I'm pretty sure he was in agreement. So we're like, he's going to fuck us up again. So we just. Yeah, like we were all set to go and get the CDs back, but we just sort of said, fuck it. But it was so heartbreaking to lose those CDs. And then we drove to Adelaide with like four CDs or something. <laughs> but yeah, what about all your other shit? Surfboards and everything? Did they take well, everything? Surf- nah, surfboards, we made up this like frame on the back of the bus that had like a, a padlock on it because it was on the outside. So they couldn't, they wouldn't have got them. Not that I can remember, but I just remember the bus on the inside was just ransacked. Like they didn't take all our clothes. It was just, what they well, take the TV? Didn't they rip the TV yeah. out and shit? Pig and Berkey had yeah. put a TV and a Nintendo and a video player in there, which was high tech shit at the time. And yeah, that's crazy. Stolen Nintendo, all the v- VCRs, um, and just the CDs and maybe just anything of value really we actually um, did lose much to be honest like it was just it was the whole deal of it and this and this and the music yeah and then, and then this was this was a lifetime of this was a lifetime of burning cds too this was about <laughs> collections like they were they were mental and then you drive all the way to perth and it happens all over again yeah perth was a whole nother situation they stole it and this time they burnt it down and we all flew home and it was over. The trip was over. Can't believe how unlucky you could be. Actually, we went, we went home, remember? And then we drove back to Hardcore 02 with a whole bunch of cunts in the van. Yeah. That's right. That was, yeah. And then we went back to Byron and then we fixed it up again. Then we drove north to Cairns, Darwin and Perth. 
Yeah. Wow. But but this was all done. Like this was the quickest trip around Australia you've ever seen. We went from Byron to Perth in like what a month. Thirty-two days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I found the logbook in my memory box the other day, and it's got the kilometres and how many times we fueled up and all the places that we went. Like we we kept a pretty detailed notes. Huge. And yeah. 32 days to get from Byron to Perth because by the time we got to Cairns, we're like, this surf in WA, if we just hurry up and get there. And yeah. it was just eight hour days of just driving straight through the desert, which, you know, I'm sure we did good shit, but. We, we did rush it. We didn't really take advantage. We'd get to a place, see it, and go, all right, let's go to the next place. We wouldn't actually like <laughs> that's, spend that's a day I or still two. Do. That's exactly how yeah. I travel. <laughs> Yeah, I do too. I I can't. Unless there's like a surf spot, and then after three or four days, I want to bail anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the the trip that got me to be like that because. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like touring too. Again, like we we were touring before we were touring, kind of thing. Mm, yeah. We we've set ourselves up for it basically. I also remember when you when you left on that trip, it was kind of like a moment where Think Straight was pretty much over because you were going to go away for a long period of time and the band was going to just end. Do you remember that? Yeah. Or just... I, I was just kind of over it, I think. I reckon, like I said, I didn't like singing. And we were kind of shit. And when shit got heavier, we detuned. And then, like, tuning down and trying to sing, it was just, it just wasn't for me. And there was all these other bands coming up in Byron at the time. And it just, I just felt like we were shit. And it was time to stop. And then, so after that trip, you come back and like you said, the other bands have started. So this is around the time Parkway starts, right? Yeah. Well, when we were away, like Blueprint, Blueprint were going. Um, there's a couple of younger shit to kill. There's probably even some younger lads starting some shit, maybe. I can't remember. And then when, when we came back, then Parkway, I don't know if it started straight away, did it? But it was kind of like, there was a few weird bands sort of started with a few members, dudes were flaky, nothing really happened. And then I'm pretty sure it was like Gaz and Bergs kind of wanted to start a band and they like had a jam with me. Then they had a jam with Jeff. I think they were, it was almost like they were trying, trying people out, but didn't seem like that at the time. Anyway, but then we had, they had a jam with someone else and, he was just too weird or something. And then we had a jam all together. It was like me, Jeff. Um, was Brett, Brett was probably, Stiggy was probably there the first time too. And yeah, it was all five of us. And we just kind of gelled. Like I had a couple of metalish kind of riffs. Jeff had this weird shit going on. And I don't know how we made songs out of it. But yeah, at first it was just, it, just shit. Songs with a bit of a weird twist because it's Jeff, I reckon. And like Wilson was shit then, Gaz was shit, we're, I was shit, we're, we're all shit. But we just, in those early stages, we um, we just wanted to do something heavier, I think. Because heavy was where everything was going at that time. Do you remember what the first song that you put together was? Like that, <clears throat> that people can actually listen to though, I mean? Like, it was I Watched, I'm pretty sure. Oh, wow. That, that's like a well. That's I almost too good, really, though. I could get really fat checked here. 
by someone that knows. You'd know more than me, Chode. Was I? Yeah, watched. it definitely is. And then we had this in, we had this intro song too. Jeff did this little lead thing, and we played it as an intro to every show. And I think we have recorded it, but but uh, that might have been around the same time as I watched. Okay, we had them both. So was Jeff yeah. like just like tapping every song and not playing chords, or did he know what a chord, what like a power chord? <laughs> Jeff didn't know much at all. So he's just like. He just, he just, and he's still the same now, although he's got a bit more um, theory and knowledge, but not really theory. He just, he just hears things. He's like a legit weird, weird musician, guitarist guy that hears shit and plays that kind of way. I was more of a, okay, this is more of a like, teach me how to play this and I'll play it how you're supposed to. Not really that creative. I mean, I, I wrote some stuff, but he yeah he's very creative and he i think his guitar brain's a lot different to anything any of us have ever seen before yeah and probably probably most people in the world have seen before so <laughs> you've already played i watched haven't you well yeah i did a solo episode and uh, i decided to play it but i'm gonna have to uh to edit that one out because i'm not worthy of it so let's play i watched <laughs> parkway's first song
ready, dickhead? Three, two, yeah. one. Now, that's fucking crazy. For if you're saying you played like shit to record a song like that, how, where did you go to record it and how much did they help you then? Because if you're saying you guys had no idea, that song sounds pretty fucking good. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess we had more of an idea than we thought. We'd all <laughs> played in bands. Yeah. We'd all played in bands, like several bands before and except for Jeff. So we all sort of knew the ropes of average songwriting. And then I guess that little Jeff element just sort of, sort of made things better. And, and that's kind of how it ended up better than we all thought. Like we, we didn't, we weren't sitting in there going, fuck, we got something amazing, but it felt good. Like we were obviously vibing and we didn't like break up or look for anyone else or other musicians. We were having a great time thinking we were writing good music. But when you look back at it now, we actually had no idea, you know, as from where we are now. But I mean, that's how it all starts, right? And, and this is that, years before Pro Tools, right? So you're doing that in one take or? No, nah, no, nah, we were. No, nah, nah. it was all, it was digital then. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, but, but we were still, we didn't have, we weren't doing it to a click or listen to the timing of it all. It's also like, it's good enough, but it, when you look at it now from being in the studio for months and doing shit so detailed, it's really rough and raw, which is what makes it so good. Like you can never recreate that rough and raw shit. You know how bands try and write records like they like an old one or whatever, and it just never ends up working because yeah, you're I just did, not in that I, time, and it's just not the same. I just did it. <laughs> we do. Smash. You miss a yeah, but did you go in with no? No plugs. Click and everything. Oh yeah, oh no, nah, there's a click to keep it in time, but like the drummer, I never showed him the songs and shit. Like I tried to make it as shit as it could be, but I, what you're saying is true. You can't actually recreate that stuff. Like, nah, uh, I got a yeah, memory. Um, speaking of your first song, you obviously did a split with Prom Queen. Do you remember the first meeting of Crafter? Mm. Um, I know when the, we the first, first thing him. I remember. The first thing I remember about the, the prom coin split was I went for those, here's another little bit of info about my life. I went back to school because this, okay, let's go back. When we were 15 and 16, Chode and I and our group of friends, we all started smoking weed quite a bit and we stopped going to school and we would just hang out at a mate's caravan, smoke weed, play Nintendo, write each other off to the point of some people would cry and go home. <laughs> <laughs> and um not good not good for um development. I don't know, it probably still happens these days not good for mental development but um so so we were doing that and you guys took weed smoking to another level and i kind of that was too much for me you guys have you talked about this on your podcast is this too uh, I've talked about weed a little bit, but not like too much. I'm happy to go into it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk about let's talk about your weed smoking. Oh, hey, what huge. was the question before this? I just got sidetracked. Oh, it's, it's about. I want to go back to this. I wanted to talk about Crafter and the pizza shop and when we oh, first met okay. him. But okay. talk about weed and three different topics I've gone back here. So that then forced us to pretty much leave school, I reckon, because we were, we were in like year nine, 10, 11, and just 
it was so easy just to not go to school and just go smoke weed, go surfing, mm. hang out with our mates. Life was just too good in Byron. Like, why would you go to school? Um, and even though we were pretty good at school. And you, yeah, so then you guys, I don't know, you and Kane and she got more into to it than me. And I had, a, I kind of had a limit and I just, I couldn't smoke all day, every day like you guys. I just come on weekends at night and that was it. And it really changed you. Like it turned you into a hard out stoner to the point where you were just, you used to throw your bong out your window once a week, mm. but he'd keep the cone, he'd keep the cone piece in case he wanted to, to get stoned later. So then he'd go get another bong and, and then smoke. And they just thought it's a vicious cycle. Just get back into it again. And I guess, well, what changed it for you? This is your little story here. Oh, for me, I guess I remember us listening to new bands and finding out like all the American bands we'd, we'd uh, listen to. And I remember seeing pictures of dudes X'd up on the back of a CD and go, why has this man got an X on his hand? And shit like that. Yeah, we had no idea. Kind of. And, and I still remember Xing up one day, sitting in your house, smoking your dad's bowl. And I X'd up and smoked a bong and you were like, you fucking dickhead, you can't do that. And I was, I was like, I don't care, it looks cool. That's like a legit memory. So all yeah, yeah. warriors are going to hate me for that one. But I guess it just, I knew I wanted to stop. I just couldn't stop because my only six friends were full on addicts. Yeah. So, yeah and was, I guess in a way, this, this, you finding out what strategy is fully saved you like hey, because before you did stop and be edge you um you wanted to like you knew it was shit that's why you used to throw your bong out the window every week yeah but you just you couldn't get through it on your own and i guess this this whole oh pete's sneezing <laughs> and i guess hardcore saved your life pretty much yeah, the way yeah. what you were saying was then you went back to school shithead so yeah so that's why i left school because we all used to smoke weed and just hang out in byron and then i went back to school when i was like 20 got written off and shit but i had a mate that came with me me and our dog so it wasn't that bad and you had two and sleeves had the same. by the way i had one sleeve one three-quarter sleeve but still only three quarters <laughs> <laughs> liquid flames uh, liquid flames and ghost drops amazing and so my memory of the, the start of parkway having something was i remember being at school and ben coit from doc sent me a message saying he wanted to put out a split with us in prom queen and i was like whoa that's fucking huge and what was his label then fuck he had dead, dead something you should know this, Pete. Listening to, the, listening to this podcast, you two are the most hardcore dudes I've ever heard. Sorry, everyone. Was his label called? No, it didn't. 618 Recordings or something like that, wasn't it? That's what did the, the, well, the City Sleeps. That's what did the Adelaide one. I think it's okay. the same. I'm but, that anyway, so, so, to anyway, so I called it, messaged me and said, yeah, we want to put out this thing. And I was like, oh, that's huge. And that was the big... That for me, that was like the the personal big moment where like, holy shit, we've made it in the Aussie scene and Adelaide label wants to put out a split with us and prom and prom were like the biggest band at the time, weren't they? Mm. 
And two years ago, you'd watched DOC stone from a corner, freaking out about how good they were. <laughs> so that's pretty good. Yeah. So then Crafter, I don't know. Crafter just came in hot and just fucking never left, really, didn't he? Yeah, he came in hot. Talking to uh, our friend who we won't oh, name. He, he talked to the girls first. He was yeah, yeah. He he was talking to the girls before he was talking to us, and then when he came here, he already knew that our friends were the girls in the scene. And then we met him from there. It was, it was probably that first tour he came. Oh no, he came to Parkways first. Yeah. First show. Yeah. And How did he know? We well, were he didn't we know. He just came randomly, and we were working at the pizza yeah. shop. Do you remember the pizza shop days? I, I fucking remember the pizza shop I, days, I, and I've got some stories about it if you want me to say them. But go I for it. Go for it. <laughs> They're worthy. OHS and will not be happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're currently in the um, hospitality industry, aren't you? Yeah, but my brother's my boss and he doesn't listen to this, so go for it. Yeah, well, Jed had this job in a pizza shop. Was it veggie or vegan? Veggie pizza Because we, we used to make vegan um, cheese in there. And mm. it was actually real nice. Anyway, so he, Jed was... The owner was in Sydney for some reason and Jed just ran this pizza shop and it was just a total joke. Like we'd get clients and, or customers and deliver pizzas and shit. But it was just, a, he used to have chicks come in and he'd go root them in the car while he was on his shift. He would piss in the sink out the back. He didn't, because the toilet, <laughs> you had to get a key and walk across the car park and go to the toilet. So he just piss in the sink, the kitchen <laughs> sink, and then he'd prepare pizzas for people and sell them. I remember one, once Winston came in and you're like, because Winston loves cheese and he's like, we'll just have some cheese. And he gives him the big block of cheese and Winston just bites the block of cheese used like off the block, used for the pizza's food like business. Like a 10 kilo block. And then he puts it back in the fridge and puts it on someone's pizza later. Amazing. Just the fuckedest shop ever. And then I hired you, um, another mate called Mitchell Bank who... He'll be called Brown because he wore a brown shirt once, and he just got called <laughs> that, and he still gets called that twenty years on. And um, he's my neighbor. He's my neighbor, by the way. He lives two properties over. And I want to know if you remember the night where um, we wanted to go to a Brisbane show, us three, and we left Jaya in charge. Oh. Yes. Literally, Jaya would have been 15 and we're like, the three bosses are going to Brizzy to watch Matchbook Romance or some fucking screamo van we liked. And I told Jaya, you're running the kitchen. He'd never worked there, right? <laughs> He'd never worked there. He'd never worked a job in his life. And he just got told, all right, this is how you make a pizza. This is how you use a till. And we just left. Fuck. And then <laughs> what happened? He somehow managed yeah, nice. to make pizzas and serve people and said it was the worst night of his life, but he survived. <laughs> and then gradually the pizza, the, the owner stopped caring and I was just like um, working there and we'd just sit out the front and listen to Fear Factory and eat pizzas and drink all the profits until one day they just closed it down and we were just so stoked. But the poor man who owned that shop was Crafter came in and we were just like, 
like in awe of him. We gave him pizza and he was like, this is sick. And then you happened to be around the week that you played your first show, just coincidentally. So that's where I was going with that. I would say we're in awe of him. Were we? I was. You, you, <laughs> you, you wouldn't have been in awe of anyone. But it was a big deal. It was a big deal Craft was at our first show, I guess, yeah. yeah. But it's pretty crazy uh, that he was onto it to know that there's this band that are pretty good from Byron that have got a... Did we have the release sort of before we even played a show? Just from the demos no, or the recording? You had no recording. What? No, we had nothing. But he knew there was this band, he, band in Byron that was pretty good and he came up and wanted to see him. But I think he had chicks on the mind, obviously. Well... You had only really been a band jamming for four or five months, and because it was obviously your first show, so he didn't know about you. The only reason he knew was because um, the next day after being the pizza guy with me, I had to take him on my fruit and veggie run because I had two jobs back in the day, and I just kept telling him how good my brother's and friend's band were, and he was just yeah, like, right. Fuck man, I don't care. Like I haven't heard this band. There's no recordings to prove that they're good. So like he just thought I was just wasting his time. Ah, so he didn't even. So he didn't know. No. We were even playing. He was just there randomly. Yeah. yeah. But um, wait, the the what we've built split came out first, right? So then, so then that was my year twelve project for when I went back to school. Ah. That's why that. That's why I did that. That was my design and technology project where people are building like pool tables and guitars and shit. I just put a, somehow managed to talk them into letting me do a CD and I put that CD out. Wow. And then yeah. the split with prom queen came out after that. Is that right? From the same, from the same recordings. Was it? Oh, yeah. okay. And that, yeah, that was yeah. on Ben's label, which was final prayer. I cheated. Final prayer. There you go. You yeah. It. Well done. Yeah. That's thanks. right. I remember that. Yeah, so right. the, the prom split kind of got what we thought were the best songs. We gave them, what were they? I watched and I can't remember. What's on yeah. the prom split? Show. Swall swallowing razor blades. And what? And I watched. Yeah, so they were probably our two bangers that we thought at the time. And then what we built got the, the other three shit ones. And then we had one left over that we put on, what, J Snapshot sampler, was it? I think you did. That's amazing. I think, so. <laughs> I think that's what we did. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. His his uh, like compilations of that so good. Like he'd just yeah. have any any fucking band that would give him a song. He didn't care what they sounded like. <laughs> we've been um, talking for yeah. one hour and we've just got to Parkway's first. Yeah. Release. Well, let's well, we go. Kinda, we kind of skipped our whole hardcore. Um, beginnings too like we just went from punk to parkway there was well, there was a lot of I'll, Aussie hardcore all, and which is what your podcast is about and that's the whole reason we got into hardcore is because of Aussie bands which is kind of crazy that it wasn't you know normally you hear American bands and you think that's cool but for us it was the mind snares and toe to toes and arms reaches voice of descent well voice of descent came later and I like we had we'd already been listening to other bands and oh, that's right. I told you that was my song. Um, do you remember that? I'm pretty sure we were stoned at, at my parents' house, going like to Pizza Hut or something. And I got that voice of the descent. Or were you edged by then when we got no, voice no. of the descent? No, it's because we got that. 
we got that voice of the sand from the mail order in, from Graz. Didn't even know what it was. It was just the new band. So we just got it and um, put it on my parents. Put it on my parents. My dad had a really good stereo and we cranked it and it fucked us up. It was so heavy and so good. And we, we just couldn't even believe it. And that for me, that was a huge, like a huge release for me in, in music really. Cause that just, just like, yeah, this music for me, this is heavy and this is really good. that and also i might be mixing it up with the the buried alive seven inch that i got as well because that fucked me up as well but yeah. the voice of the sound was first yeah it was um it, i i still can't remember were we getting most of the stuff from from dr moose or were we just getting nah. it from mail orders there was that big mail order that might have been the punk days but there was that big thick one that we used to get heaps of shit out of, and then it just went to Graz. Anytime Graz had something new, we'd just get it. And then at yeah. the same time, oh, once once Winston and Oscar and all those dudes started getting into it, they were kind of more American-based, hey? Because we, we kind of started with all this Aussie shit, and then they got into it kind of after us, but almost went straight to American, like, eulogy bands and all these other bands yeah. that I never really got into. That's yeah. exactly right. That's safe, what I reckon yeah. what we're finding out from this though, that Australia now, because it's so long ago now, it's like, you know, it's going on 30 years 
old some of this stuff and even mm-hmm. older for shit that, that came before our time. That's crazy. Like, yeah. We've we've kind of got our own history here now and it's fucking I don't know, it's way cooler than disliking some American band that you heard to me anyway, because it's our own, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm so proud of us starting with Aussie bands like Arms Reach Seven Inches, Mines in there, the White Owl, the White EP or whatever, and Credulity. That was like the first stuff we that kind of changed us from punk to be able mm. to listen. Mindsnare was too metal for me when I first heard them, I remember. But Arms mm. Reach was sweet, but Mindsnare just, oh, I just thought it was like metal. I didn't even really get it. I and love then, this. And yeah, I was no, I remember, I remember Cho, Kane was a bit more like open to it and yeah. Kane loved it. And then you, then you loved it, Chode. And then I still, it was still too metal for me. And then, then I got into it. Mm. But I still listened to it, but I just, I was a bit scared of it or something, the metalness, because I wasn't a metal dude. Mm. I was um, the same. I think seeing them live sort of changed my mind though. Cause live, it just seemed yeah. just like everyone else kind of, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love but that now, though. But... Cause obviously you're playing Parkway Drive now. That's pretty metal as well. Um, <laughs> but like for new jacks or someone, I love that term. And I say it as a joke um, to say, Oh no, nah, Parkway's not a hardcore band. Like if you're listening to this, look how Parkway started. You know what I mean? This, it started from listening to Australian hardcore seven inches and putting on their own shows in a hall in their hometown. So yeah. that sounds like a hardcore band to me. They didn't start like some manager didn't hand pluck them and tell them what to wear. And, you know, this is, it's a very organic process of a band starting. It's just mates. Yeah. It was like any other band, any other shit band we were in before. It was all the mm. same. It's just this, this one happened to, to take off and as it took off we still handled everything it's not mm-hmm. like even back when we did the, the first um youth center shows they weren't like we weren't doing it to make money there was zero money like we didn't mm. take a dollar off the door or anything it was pay for the hall hire pay for the pa and give the rest of the bands the money like those bands that came mm. through they probably even made more money at a bar and show than they did at playing some pub or all these other venues they were doing Mm. so yeah i mean that's actually the, i just remember that you didn't actually even used to pay the local bands right you just give all the money to the touring band probably probably i don't know i, I would i would disagree with that now i don't think that's right i think the band <laughs> get get 50 bucks you know but yeah m- maybe maybe that was the the case we might have not even paid ourselves like why would we yeah get like 50 bucks when we wanted to wanted to play and these guys are traveling and need the money you know well, well that was the other thing i guess for you guys because you jammed at parkway that was free mm. you had no other real costs you know and most of you well all of you probably still lived at home so mm-hmm. you didn't really didn't really need the money right no nah, it never even crossed our mind that hey we need to make 500 bucks to do this or that i mean i, I don't mm. even know how we funded those first recordings i guess the shows did start to Filled up. We had a bit of a, a bank account with a few hundred bucks in it, but yeah, yeah, that that money just didn't even come into it. I sometimes I think I already mentioned this, but you guys obviously, and we're moving forward a bit, but you toured like fucking insane and worked so hard for any bit of success you had. But would you contribute growing up in Byron or being based in Byron to it? Really, I think I'm not sure if I'm right, but 
would you say it helped you a lot because the fact that yeah you didn't have full-time jobs you didn't have to pay rent you could just concentrate on the band does that is that a probably. fair summary probably we all had jobs but they were never careers or anything where yeah where we'd be like no i'm not going on tour like i heard kev was like not gonna on your other podcast show wasn't going to join comeback kid because he had a job and i was like that wouldn't even like cross mm. your mind like because i bet he probably had a good job but we just had shitty jobs around town well it came and from a Byron different background yeah he's definitely came from a different background <clears throat> i mean winston was at uni and he quit uni i believe was it true due to the band yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. It was due to the band, but it was at the same time the band. And that's when I went back to school. The band started taking off. I just fucking, but like I had, I was going to finish school and then probably do something at uni as well. But the band started doing shit, and it wasn't even like, oh, this band's doing something. Maybe we can make a career out of it. I don't have to go to uni. Yes, it was more like in the moment. I'd rather go on tour than go to like finish school. Yeah, you didn't finish like, school for the second time. <clears throat> I finished, but I barely went the last term, and it just yeah, it was kind of, it was pointless really. I don't know yeah. how like into depth in depth you want to go into each release, but after the two splits, you did that an EP, right? How many songs is on that? Seven. Don't close your eyes. Yeah. Um, fuck, I don't know, six or seven. Chode, no, this is yeah. up Chode's alley. Come on, Chode. <laughs> Yeah, what, what, it's what, an EP we, though, right? What's the point? It's not an album. Seven songs. That was, one, an EP just, and that was the first release on Resist. Yeah, for us. And this is this is when you start really like touring, right? Like not as in overseas, but I think. Well, we this we recorded that in Brizzy. It's a pretty good story. So we recorded it in Brizzy, and uh, it was, instead of driving home every night. And obviously we couldn't afford a hotel and stuff. We'd just sleep on the veranda of, of the dude's house, of the studio. So we'd record all day <laughs> and then just, I don't even know if we had sleeping bags. We'd just literally just sleep on the deck and then wake up the next morning and the, the um, producer guy rocks up and he's like, what are you guys doing? And I would just, that's not where to go. We just stayed here on the deck. <laughs> and we did that most of the time. The only time we came back was when there was a show. I remember there was a show, I think it was Strike Anywhere. And we all came back one Friday or Saturday night to, to go to the Strike Anywhere show that we were putting on as well. And then, yeah, back up to the studio. And then, I don't know how much we actually, what tours did we do off that? Did we do some supports of that? Yeah, or did we just do this? Was that? So were we still doing the Mary? We just go up, play Mary Street, yeah. music, play the yeah. youth centre in Byron. Uh, we just support the touring acts at home, and yeah, sometimes I think Mary you did that prom queen and evergreen like tour the first time. Um, yeah, a couple of Melbourne trips. Like there was definitely no, and like maybe hardcore 04 you did, but like 04 yeah. was like growing, but definitely no like longish tours. No, I've got all this shit on, on my thing if you want to actually know, but that, that's no, basically I, it. Well, what I was going to lead to was I remember one of your earliest tours, I was on it with the international band and I won't mention them, but you smoked them every night. And then I obviously, because I was with them, would hear the conversations and they were so oh. off. Were, we mates, then, were you mates with us then? Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. 
Um, this is like 2005, I'm pretty sure. Maybe six. I can't oh, yeah, check because yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not at home. No, but, it, was um, it was 05. I remember that too. Okay. And we were supporting. Yeah, yeah. You were, you were main support, but you were doing better than them every night. And then at the end of the tour, <coughs> I remember them saying that they would help you overseas. And again, I'm not going to mention them, but they did absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, mm. But that happened, was just funny. that happened a few times with a few American bands out here. They come out mm-hmm. here, we sort of help them out and they promise you the world and then nothing comes of it. But I mean, there's, there's so much that goes into that. They've got managers, agents. Yeah. There's a lot of politics in it that we have avoided most of the time because we don't deal with that shit. We kind of do what we want. But yeah, yeah. their hands are probably tired a lot of the time and they, they probably want to help, but they can't. That, for me anyway, was the first time when it kind of was like, okay, this is getting serious. Like, you guys... To like to do better than an international band back then was crazy. You know what I mean? But mm. was that the same for you? Like, were you like, oh, hang on, we're actually starting to do pretty good here? Yeah, definitely. And that was '05, and and then Killing with a Smile came out that year. Yeah, and yeah. then that was so, where it was like pretty <clears throat> crazy. Yeah. When you're doing better than a band that has like two or three albums and you haven't even done a full length record yet, is pretty psycho. Yeah, and especially just being a local Aussie band too, with no, because mm. those those bands that used to come out when, they, when an international band came out at the start anyway in the early two thousands, it was a big deal. Yeah. But now every every single band's been out here a lot of times, but back then when they first started coming within like the metalcore genre, I guess, but even hardcore bands like that, it was kind of a big deal. When so we'll go to Killing with a Smile. Do you remember whose idea it was, or when you first spoke about going to America to record? Um, I remember we just we used, I don't know who we talked about, but we we're just like, how come um, Australian albums? And this is no disrespect to any Aussie producers or anything. We're just like, there's something about the the US that it just sounds bigger, and I don't know whether it was the people or. It's, we were even thinking maybe it's because they use 110 volts of power instead of 240. Like, we, we don't know. But it's probably because these guys have been doing so many albums um, for so long. And we're just like, we've yeah. got to go to the States and record. And Adam D, like, we, at that point, we loved the Unearth sounds, the, the Kill Switch sound and all that. And we're just like, fuck, if we could do it with Adam D, that'd be ridiculous. We weren't even expecting a reply. But I just was like, Graz, hit up Adam D. We'd love to record with him. And he was like, yeah. He said he'd do it for this much. And we're like, okay, now we need money and we can get over there and, and make it happen. And then we just borrowed money. Did we borrow money for that? Or did we borrow money for the tour? I think we borrowed money off our parents for that as well and made it happen. I was going to say, because like, you know, four guys to fly to the States and stay there. I guess you probably stayed in the, his studio though, yeah? Uh, no, we stayed at the Econo Lodge down the road and he, <laughs> he picked us up. He picked us up every morning. Oh, but, wow four of us in one hotel room like we tour like the same yeah sort of style later on later on in touring once we started getting hotels but that was like me and winston in the bed gaz and jeff in a bed and <laughs> for, for two and a half weeks <laughs> recording that wait was, what town too like some shithole town we're right? in we're in westfield massachusetts oh was it winter oh, yeah oh um, i remember being kind of cold because i bought this puffer jacket that everyone laughed at me in 
But yeah, no, it must have been April. I don't know. It was cold. It was very different. And that, yeah, that was a very, that was crazy. But I mean, we were always up for doing something, you know, like I'd, I'd never stop something. I guess it's the same as surfing. Like I'll fucking go anywhere if it was to get a good barrel. I wouldn't let it stop. Like that was probably stop people back then in 05 going to the States. You just, it just seems too far fetched. I don't know. You were in bands back then. What would you ever think of going to the States? Well, I guess for me, I think the, the cost probably would scare me like to invest Mm. that much in it. You know what I mean? Like I think in the back of your head, you guys must've thought that it was going to pay off down the line. You know what I mean? Whereas I've never been in a band that thought that far ahead, maybe. But I, but I didn't, we, it wasn't even like, okay, let's go record there. We'll put out this CD, we'll sell a shitload and we'll pay it off. It was more like, we just wanted to put out something that sounded as good as those, those records. It was just about yeah, the product. Right. And if it meant we went in debt, whatever, if it meant the band had to break up, that was it. That was just the, the move we made at the time. And it's, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but back then it kind of was. Like, I don't think, anyone went to the states to report you no. didn't do it no <clears throat> no a, one did it not a now it's a common metal thing. band no way young band would would fork that out for a recording so to charge yeah well not back not back then like this is 05 this is what 15 mm. years ago now it's just commonplace and bands record you hear about it all the time but mm. um yeah, it was a bit of a charge, but it just felt right, really. It didn't feel like we were doing something crazy. It was crazy to go to the States, but at least for anyone for the first time. That's like international travel. Wait, so wait, you hadn't played shows in America yet at all? No, 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 no. We'd never been. Did you do- I think maybe Gaz had been snowboarding with you, Chuck. Did you guys, your dad yeah, worked there? We went in 01 and... Yeah, with your family. Yeah, and that was all we had done. Um, and I remember, yeah, you just said, you've got to eat Taco Bell. It's just the best food ever. <laughs> and it was fucking dog shit. Pure dog shit. It still and, is too. And frozen burritos from Walmart or something. Yeah, well, that's, that's because that's all I ate when I was on my trip. <laughs> uh, so did you play any shows at all? No. No, not at all. We went to a show, I remember, and... It was, I can't even remember who played, but it was at the Worcester Palladium and which we've played many times since. Yeah. And yeah, that was just, a di- it was just, again, it was like when we went and to Hardcore 2000, that was a different world. It was just like a whole other different world where like in the outskirts of Boston at a hardcore metalcore show, it just didn't even seem like something we were involved with, you know? We were just, yeah, right. Went back to Byron, was in our shitty little band. So, yeah. well, you must have enjoyed yourself because a few years later you went back and did it all again, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went back and did the same thing again for Horizons. Did you change, change, did change anything? Like, yeah, same studio? Process. Same studio. Um, he might have had a different assistant, Adam, but it was all, it's all pretty similar. As you can hear from the sound, like it's, pretty, it's a pretty similar sounding record. Adam sort of had his same tricks, same sounds. And I can't remember if we had one or two rooms that time. Yeah, right. We had, we still, we still shared beds maybe, but we had a bit more room. 
<laughs> not just that's a little something, hotel. That's something like even like I'm sure it's changed. I know it's changed now. But even when you guys were touring and doing really well, you still did it so rough just to save money. And just because you're like, fuck it. Why would we spend all that money? We don't have to do that. <laughs> well, yeah. For me, I don't know. I, I love van tours too. Like I held on to the van tour. The other guys started to hate it before me, but I just love driving in a van, getting one hotel for eight of us, couple sleep in the van, couple sleep in the hotel. That was fucking great. I remember it got to 14 in one room. There was like five guys on the floor. Um, it was insane. And then you were just, and then extra dudes were like, can we please come? We're like, no, we've got 14. I'm sorry. Like, that's I, I remember that rough little tour in America. You just drive until you got too tired, find a random hotel. One person checks in while you park the car in the dark and then just all pile into the room. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone piles into the room, has a shower, and then four dudes, <laughs> two, two dudes in each bed, a few on the floor, and then the rest in the van. Did you do a whole tour with us over there, Pete? Or did you just do like a I, leg? I think I did half. I went from the West Coast pretty much across to the East Coast, and then I drove your van back on my own or with actually with Big B while you flew home from Big Texas. B. Yeah. Yeah. What year was that? Uh, oh nine. fuck. That was, was oh nine. So that was on this horizons um sort of cycle. What um Yeah. What did you think about it? Did that just seem like, oh yeah, this is what you do, this is how you tour? Or were you like these guys are fucked? No, I thought it was great. Because well that yeah. tour you weren't it wasn't your tour or whatever, but I mean even later than that, I've seen you like stay at my house or stuff like that. Do you remember in Sydney, you slept on my floor, which was wood? Jed, you slept on the carpet outside my door and one of my neighbours of the apartment block walked over you and you said, sorry, I'm not homeless. But it was at the point, like, my neighbour was like a younger guy or our age and he was, like, when I saw him next, was like, was that Parkway Drive? And I'm like, yeah, and he's like, why are they sleeping on the floor of our apartment? I'm like, oh, it's just how they do it. Like, <laughs> well, and I'm still sleeping on the floor at your house. And you follow... Yeah. Your, you, were, you were a crazy clean freak back then. You would have hated us sleeping on your floor. Oh, I, I don't know if I was. I think it's got, come, got worse with age. Because for all you listeners out there of Pete's <laughs> and Jed's podcast... Pete, literally, when I go to his house in Adelaide, and I go there a few times a year, he walks around behind me with a broom and sweeps <laughs> no, up where I, I walk. Yeah, you, you've no, done I it. don't. Probably because you you're walking fucking me. sand through my house. What about my car? Oh, it's it's just so OCD. Do you cop it, Charlie? Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's bad. I'm clean, but he is on another level of just. Just so annoying, like. <laughs> but it freaks him out. He's like, yeah. there's like you put your foot up on the on the dash, and he as soon as you put your foot off, he reaches over while he's driving and and wipes it down. <laughs> all right, no one needs to hear this now. Does anyone need to hear us go into all the albums? I don't think they do, do they? No, we don't no. need to hear the albums. But no, let me just a, ask you this then. Days, they were good. Yeah. yeah, let me just ask you this then though. Deep Blue, you decided to do something different. Was that just purely to just 
try something new? Yeah, it was just time to mix it up. Like, what were we going to do? Right, do the, the third album that sounds the same? Um, yeah. Like, it, it could have been good with Adam too, but it, I don't know, it's, it's time to do something different. It can't stay the same. And a lot of bands yeah. do just, just don't try it. And I probably would have liked to just go back to Adam, but it was, it was time to do something different for sure. And the songs were changing a little bit and we just wanted to have someone else's input. Who was that guy again? What's his, who did that one? Joe Barisi. Yeah, he's like more he's, of a rock guy, right? Yeah, he did like, what did he do? Tool and Tool? he did some yeah. pretty big shit. Yeah, he's a fucking man. I, I loved recording with him. It was so good. It was so just natural. He just let you let you yeah. go sort of thing. One take sort of stuff. If it was a bit sloppy, that's sweet. That's, that's how you play. Um, I just remembered on that American tour, you, you guys were trying to, you had to decide who to go with and you were having all these serious We're having the interviews. Yeah. 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 And, and I was like a part of them because I was there and I was like, I don't need to hear this. Yeah. But I guess uh, that's goes, the thing. You can't just do, well, you can't do the same thing over and over again because people get pretty fucking bored, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, I we've done two albums with, with like, <laughs> listeners. Listening to the same story of Cho listening to Arms Reach over and over again. (laughs) 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 All right, hang on. So let's wrap it up sort of then. Around that time, you've started to realise, hang on, this is actually our jobs now. You're still involved in literally, for the listeners, anything that Parkway Drive does now, is there anything that happens that you don't have to pass? It's not, there's not as a... No, no way. Unless it's like a label, a label thing. But no, they just they they wouldn't do anything without asking me. Yeah. So hundred yeah. percent. Anything to do with merch, touring, band, business, even everything, the whole thing. And there's no band even half your size that would be like that. Most bands let everyone do everything. <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't know. That's just, um, maybe I'm just a control freak or I don't trust other people. I don't know. But that's just the way I've always, I've always done it. It's from when we, though. From when we're doing the shows, I'd probably have to handle all that back in the youth centre to the band. I took control of everything. And yeah, I mean, I'm learning the whole time too. Like in, the, mm. in our movie, I say, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Where like... Um, <laughs> I don't from like an education side of it, but I mean, what better education than just being thrown in the deep end and, and doing it, you know? But I, I don't question myself. Yeah. I know exactly what I'm doing. And actually, when, he, when we did that interview in the movie, if anyone's seen it, everyone's probably too hardcore to watch it, but um, I just your <laughs> listeners. They've <laughs> <laughs> oh, all seen it. No, Straight they haven't. Like, no fucking way anyone's no, seen no. it. That's... Fuck, all these sweaters think that they're too hardcore. They all know that without Parkway, they'd fucking be listening to techno at a nightclub. Yeah, I don't even have sweaters <laughs> listening. I've got old fellas who wouldn't want to watch that. Yeah, well, the old fellas still respect it, I reckon. I know well, the, the old fellas are guys legends. Do. Anyway, legends. I, love it. I loved it when you farted into the phone. That was just genius. That's exactly what you did. I was hoping I'd have a few farts for this, this podcast because... Well, tell the like? listeners <laughs> why you came on because I farted and Jed yawned at me. 
What? Did you say the reason why you actually oh, that's, no, that's why, yeah, that's, that's why I came on. I listened to you guys and you, you, I was like, no way, I'm doing your shit podcast. And um, I heard, yeah, you farted, which, which that was huge. And then Chad did your thing. I thought, yeah, I could do this. Where's the farts though, Chad? Should we play that one I sent you the other day? That was, you weren't that impressed with it, but fuck, that was a screeching weasel from way back. <laughs> I just don't need to fart up the podcast, to be honest. Oh, okay. Unless he's on mature again. One. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying okay. to be mature, but it doesn't sound like it. All right. Well, we can't wrap it up completely without talking about how shit Jed was working for you for ten years. Oh yeah, we've got to talk about Chad. How um, bad was he, or was he? I remember at one stage he actually got pretty good at selling t-shirts. I've got to give him that. He was pretty rude to people though. That's the thing. He's pretty. Look at him. He's, if you can see his head now. <laughs> He's hating it. <laughs> uh, but Cho just came along for the ride because he was the biggest fan ever, and he did what he could to stay on the road. But then he got pretty good at selling t-shirts. But it was hard for Cho because he just got treated like total shit. <laughs> <laughs> but in return, you treated everyone else like shit too. Yeah. Is that I yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> it, was, I, it was a hard environment to be in. It was a really hard environment and you made it real hard for yourself and I didn't make it any easier. No. That's for sure. Looking back, and, I did everything completely wrong. That's, I well, 100% know that. Not really, but... Not, it, not the I main mean, thing, but just, just the way I interacted. I was, but, but even still from, from day one or, or first tour, I wasn't like, this is going to be a 10 year fucking thing. I was like, I'm going to go on no. one tour right off my mates and then the band's going to be over. So yeah. I didn't know what was going to happen. And I didn't, and looking back, I didn't try and better my skills because there was going to be 10 years of work ahead of me. I just was like, yeah, whatever. So, shot myself in the foot, really. But not really. Like, what? What depends what you'd want to be doing right now. Like, mm. what well, opportunity? I would have lost there? my job like, regardless, so it doesn't matter. But well, you 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 quit more than you got fired. Yeah. Hey, listeners out there, this this guy's worked for us like over the years, on and off, probably what ten times. So yeah. you quit and go, no, I don't want to tour anymore. I'm over it. And I'm like, yeah, sweet. Do whatever you want. We get another merch guy. Then you go sell merch for some other shit band. And then you're like, oh, Chad's touring again. <laughs> then he comes back. Then he's shit. And we're like, you're done. And then, so then he gets fired. And then he goes and works, <laughs> in a ca- works in a cafe for a bit somewhere. Then he goes, works for another band. Then he comes back to us. Then he quits for good. And you're finally done, aren't you? Well, if, if you've got an opening available in 2021, <laughs> yeah. I'd, be, I'd be interested in an offer. <laughs> 2021, he's back for sure. Well, we've actually been looking for a merch guy for 2021. So <laughs> send in your resume. Send in your resume. Let us know who you worked for before. <laughs> Amazing. All right. And one other thing, obviously, because of this fucked up virus shit, you've been at home for how long now? Three months? No, like four or five months. And secretly, not even secretly, you're fucking loving it, aren't you? Oh, it's fucking old time. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good for me because I just bought a property and I can just really just 
hang out on it and get to know it and and just plot away on this block. It's like five acres, so it's it's a perfect it's coming for a perfect time for me. But I mean, it's not a good time for the band with like with not touring, and I like it. And when I'm not touring normally, I'm traveling a lot, surfing, so I I miss it. But it's the longest time I've been home, I reckon, in ten or fifteen years. Mm. And but I am enjoying it. Yeah, I really am. Any idea how many how about, yeah. gigs you've played in total? Well, when I heard your you did a you said something to Kev like we played 160 shows a year, three years in a row or something. I was like, no, I reckon this counts wrong. Eh? And I went and had a look. I started keeping a record up till about 2011 or something, and it was like 160, 140, 140 for a couple of years, but. Would you like me to go through and no. figure it out and send you a message one day? But yeah, it has to be what? I want to know how many shows. It, it, what would it be? 15. A thousand? Well, I know. Over no way. You cracked a thousand a good couple of years ago. I, I would say more than 1,500. Because I have yeah. laminates and I counted every day up to 2010 and it was 960. Oh, shit. Yeah, we'll, uh, we're going to do like a thousandth show thing. Hey, but I just yeah. forgot to add up all the shows and we never did it. So... Yeah, like you, you definitely slowed down a bit, but you're still doing roughly a hundred a year. So I'd, I'd say it's close to 1,500, but either way, it's a fucking... Is that a lot? That's, that's heaps. That's a crazy amount. It's heaps. I'd say the years are, been... are the long thing. Like it's almost been 20 years, you know? Yeah. Far out. They, I reckon there's, um, there's bands out there that have been around for 20 years that have probably played twice as many shows as us, though. True. Wouldn't there be? Yeah. Like those US bands that just road dog the States all yeah. year. <laughs> That's Poor brutal. bastards. <laughs> yeah, they, they go through members and they go through crew changes. That's for sure. We don't as much. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's the thing. Like, even Kev, like, he only toured for a couple of years in the States and he was doing three or four full US tours a year plus a couple of Europe's and and he didn't just, last long did he? No, it didn't last long at all and and it just and I mean comeback kids are still going, for instance. They're still they're doing still if they could, still doing two or three US tours a year. Mm. So it's it's just crazy what you've got to do. It depends on the people in the band. Like a couple of those guys, that's that's just what they live for. They love it. So they just keep it going. Mm. And we do too. We love it. But we do it differently now. We don't go and slog the states three times a year. How about you, Pete? When are you I'm going to tour next? The Parkway Hatebreed Tour. I'll be um, security guard for Luke. <laughs> yeah, personal security. Yeah, and rider eater. <laughs> That's my job. It's been my job for 10 years. <laughs> All right, well, my list uh, of things to talk about's done. Chet, Joe, wait, what's your name again? Jed. Have you got anything Chad. else? No. It, um, I'm glad we didn't go into too much specifics of tours and write-offs because we'd be here for 50 hours. Yeah, but would um, be here all day. It's been a wild ride and still not over, so good on you, mate. Yeah, mate. 
Yep, thanks. You've, you've... Look at him trying to butter you up for the comeback. Oh. He's fucking, he wants it bad. <laughs> I can just look at his head. He wants it. Well, yeah. If you there's any... us next year, mate. Well, let me just say, if there's any roadies out there, merch dudes, it's tough to decide between the two alive forever and just like trying to get a normal job in between. So that's why I was so torn between, oh, should I be a proper dude? And just have a job or should I just tour forever? It's yeah, it's not easy being a roadie. <laughs> I it depends it easy. On, depends what you're doing though. Like if you're a dishy now. Yeah, exactly. I'm a dishy now and um, it's not that good. <laughs> but it's um it's I'm I'm at home every day, I've got a girlfriend, I live in a house together, like I like that aspect of it. Yeah. But as a tour dog, if you just want to tour hard and kind of have nothing, but as a lot of <clears throat> the roadies I know who are now nearly 40 or above, they've got to stop at some point and then you, you're still kind of just in that world forever unless you kind of change. So it's it When you get to your 40s, it turns into a very like specific person mm. that can do it, I think. Yeah. With, with home life and family life. Sure, like not... It's a pretty brutal life even for us it's pretty brutal but we've got the luxury where we can have make sure we have a couple of months mm. off between tours and i mean still still got to go to the same airport get on the same plane and fly to the same spot still still pretty taxing when we especially were, now that yeah when we were families. 20 we had no idea that it'd be any more than a few years and it got to 30 and now it's nearly 40 yeah it's yeah. just crazy to think about real real close to 40 aren't you <laughs> Yeah, in April, I'm having a big wow. I'm having a big party at um, the Parkway House. If you want to come, probably the next time I see are you. Are you really? Yeah, I'm gonna have a huge party. Huge! I'll probably say I'll come and might show up. Yeah, I was about to say <laughs> you won't go. <laughs> hey, um, I also might need a job next year. The way my job's looking, so I'll send my resume in too. I think. Sure. What are you good at? Nothing. <laughs> You could yeah. be Pi's bass tech. We've just got one guitar tech. Maybe he needs a bass yeah, tech. I, I can tune four strings easily. He's got five. He's got five, I think. Ooh. I'll just do the top. Yeah, he can do the last one. Uh, um, this is right, one, one hour and three quarters. <laughs> this is the longest ever podcast. Oh, you're going to lose all your followers. Sorry. But nah. Do you want to play nah. a final song? Your final number Ooh. one song? Oh, what what are we talk? What are we talking? What sort of um, well, era? You can go back to what? What's the what's the most meaningful era for your listeners of this? Uh, late nineties, early two thousands, like just just a hardcore band that kind of changed it all for you. That hasn't well, been played on the pod already. Hasn't been played. Oh, let's go downfall. Do you remember that time oh, we had that down? Remember that downfall city? We came back from. Was it a show? Were you, you were with us? We uh, just rocked into a party, like a, a normal 16-year-old party with a downfall CD. Put, put, it it on the, put it on the CD player and just circle pitted the shit out of their living room. And all the chicks and shit were going, these guys are losers. I, sorry, Get them out of here. Sorry, listeners. I'm going to have to break it to you. I've already talked about nah, that. Don't. Oh, fuck. Look, We've got the same shit stories. Yeah, it, it, on Friday, episode 12 <laughs> would have dropped. 
and it's 10 of my most influential songs with stories attached. That song and that mosh like story is one of them. The voice of the sand getting stoned is another one. And there's, there's a whole think straight section. Like it's, it's basically oh, uh, designed around you. So it's a pretty sweat to this one. Well, who cares? Okay. People might not listen to all of them though. Hmm. All right. Well, fuck. Well, another Aussie. He probably won't listen song. to that episode that is all about him. But who knows? He might. No, I've been listening to the to party. Yeah, I like it. I got to go back to all the early ones. But don't forget the Bob Tate one. That, that that should uh, spark your interest. <laughs> don't know if I could do Bob. Sorry, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> what about, no, what about Crazy Mark? I'm sure you got a good story. Uh, I haven't listened to Crazy Mark one, no, but I mean, when I get bored, I will because yeah. everyone's got their story and I don't know the, those guys' story, really. Yeah. They were around the same. Actually, never... Those ones actually flow really good, probably because they're not as, you know, they're, they're I'm not serious, but for some reason, those ones flow well. I think. Well, those guys have been involved, around forever. Those guys have been around forever since since we started and they're still, they're still probably charging the core to the day, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's wrap it up. Yeah. Thanks for chatting with us, mate. Well, I'll what's what's my song? So I don't get my downfall song? <laughs> uh, you can have a different downfall song. Nah. Well, you didn't um, specify, so... Can't do Grim Reality because Pete fuck, did all that. Yeah. <laughs> Can't do mind snare. No more within blood. Too many mind snares. Oh, within blood. We've done it all. Yeah, we we've covered the whole the whole scene. Shot point. Yeah. Webs would have done it. Webs yeah. would have done it, right? Yeah. All right, off. all right. It's over. <laughs> Oh, I'm
Surely you don't want me to say that this is the end, do you? But I will. That's the end. Thanks for listening. One hour and 55 minutes of your life is now gone. Catch you next week. Desmond's. Full on Desmond's. <laughs>